Pre que te pregunto que cuando, como y donde tú siempre me respondes, quizás, quizás, quizás. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperado y tú, tú contestando. Quizás, quizás, quizás. Estás perdiendo el tiempo pensando, pensando. Por lo que más tú quieras, hasta cuándo, hasta cuándo. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperado. Tú, tú contestando Quizás, quizás, quizás Welcome one and all once more to Anime Was Not a Mistake uh, Currently in our Anna Masterpiece Theater mm-hmm. um, What do we call it? Era? <laughs> a few weeks, month? Yeah, month, yeah, yeah Anna Masterpiece May or, yeah. Yeah. And I'm the uh, antagonist that joins the party halfway through the story of the game Jonathan Kwiatkowski here as always with uh, now packaged with 50 dreepies, Dan Ryan. Oh my gosh, you saw that? We're gonna send it to me? Yeah, it's... That's Fate how, lines up. That's how the other half lives. Like, can you imagine all those dreepies, Dan? <laughs> you can put them everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this? My very personal collection. <laughs> like five in every room to yeah. ward off evil. <laughs> <laughs> you name them all. <laughs> they watch you in your dotage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anime master, anime masterpiece theater devoted to movies, mm-hmm. Asian cinema. Last week we watched One Cut of the Dead. Any initial thoughts before we get into today's docket? It still has stuck with me. Mm. And I think we got a pretty great discussion out of that. Yeah, movie. I had a lot of fun watching it with yeah. you. Hopefully this will be the same. Um, I will say in going forward, this movie is uh, not rated for the youngsters of mm-hmm. the audience. Uh, this is rated R. It's very explicit for reasons yet to be divulged, but mm-hmm. uh, just know that going in. Um, also, I forgot to mention where you could stream One Cut of the Dead or watch it, since it was at our fingertips. Just sign mm-hmm. up for a free Shutter watch and you yeah. watch that. Yeah. yeah. Have a good time. Yeah. I think Shutter is. They, yeah, you might find some other things. They maybe had The Devils uh, a few weeks ago, which is a. I mean, a Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, not Kurt Russell. I, I forget his first name, but anyway, it's a. Like hailed as one of the uh, most disturbing horror movies mm-hmm. but they have it in such a way in the vault that they limit the release but watching it now it doesn't really bother people yeah it's just a little sacrilegious and yeah at that you know you see vanessa redgrave as a hunchback nun <laughs> doting right. over someone right yeah but eh, shutter's good hit or miss mm-hmm. there are a few on there the free trial you can't beat oh. yeah of yeah. course mm-hmm. uh, i enjoyed it as i said looking forward to the movies that we're going to watch in mm-hmm. future uh to your picks continuing next week mm-hmm. Um, very excited to see them, but tonight we are watching one of my faves. But before we get there, Dan, any life, anime, or adjacent news to share? Um, I guess I'll start with, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, a, sort of a, a smallest news first. Mm-hmm. Uh, just current anime standings and what I'm waiting to drop. Mm. Uh, because after last week, when I forgot who made Naruto, I was yeah. like, People are gonna think I'm. A, I mean, I'm the same way. But... I'm a fake gamer guy. Whatever the fuck, you know. So I, I, I can assure people that the stuff that I'm waiting for all seems to only be dropping in June. 
Uh, Record of Ragnarok and Godzilla Singular Point are not coming our way on Netflix until June, uh, but after they do, both are free game for coverage on this podcast. Mm. Uh, I'm excited for both of them. Um, There was also a uh, TikTok got some (laughs) rumblings going about Mm. uh, Dragon Ball Super Mm -hmm. or another Dragon Ball series coming back to television Mm -hmm. Uh, for anyone who is is not aware. I mean, you know, it it completed its plot arc. Mm -hmm. They completed like the, um, you know, interdimensional tournament Mm -hmm. arc, you know, and that's a fine point to end the series if Mm. if it does end there. Um, but the manga has kept going. It's it's gone into arcs created by uh, Todoroki, mm-hmm. who was the guy who got started as a Dragon Ball Z fan artist until Toriyama enlisted him to start making the actual mm-hmm. manga um, with like story oversights from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only news, like there was no there was no actual reveal. Uh, it's already been known for a couple months that in 2022 we can expect a new. Dragon Ball Super movie, mm-hmm. uh, one that was apparently in production before the Broly movie was, you know, and, you know, I mean, there's no reason for them to not continue the movie aspect mm-hmm. of the franchise, mm-hmm. but the only thing with television was that uh, in, in an interview that got published in a few official places, one of the uh, writers or producers was like, oh, that guy from the manga... <laughs> I can't wait to see how he's portrayed. So people have been, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Yep. And it's and then people have been trying to figure out if the machine translation got the inflection wrong. Like, I would like to see him portrayed in a show, or mm-hmm. he's going to be portrayed. Interestingly, and in so they, you know, there's no news, but they seem to be as always cheeky about what they're going to do with the franchise. Mm-hmm. So I got excited. But it is nothing substantial. I mean, it's like a yeah. I don't think Dragon Ball is going anywhere though. No, like, it's going to no. be around forever. No, yeah. you always I, have something new. It's a comfort, I mm-hmm. think, just to to know what's on the horizon. But at the very least, we have another movie, and I think inevitably, mm-hmm. you know, another we'll get series. another anime. Yep. Um, that's the small news to start with. So okay. you, up you. Um, my small, I guess, video game adjacent Final Fantasy fourteen put out a trailer for Endwalker. Mm-hmm. DLC where we have male bunny people as a race now, mm-hmm. which is groundbreaking. Highly tempted to pick up that game, but do not have the funds nor the time mm-hmm. nor the dedication to start a morgue puka. Yeah. But uh, excited nonetheless. I love that aesthetic. I shared the trailer. I was like, count the Jonathans. Dan said there are far too many to count. And that's yeah. all I could ever want. And that art book, like the aesthetic, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, the concept art behind that game is, is gorgeous. And if you so. spend $150 on Square Enix's website, you get a free water bottle. Ooh. <laughs> Just, just like this podcast. <laughs> We're not giving away anything for free. <laughs> just our love. <laughs> for, for the exclusive Patreon circle. Yeah. Um, there was a new trailer for Neo, The World Ends With You, mm-hmm. which was exciting. Just happy to pick that up. It was a very light week for me. Aside from one thing, we got a Green Knight trailer. These yes. are all just mini things, but looks fabulous. Reread the script. Looks like they're staying very close to the original A24 script that leaked like 3,000 years ago mm-hmm. that I managed to get my hands on. But um, I'm excited. As I said, that's coming out in July. I need multiple showings. I have a different green outfit to wear to every showing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I expect you to be, you know, Dressed in green. Well, like my fun. carriage. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. As you take me to the cinema show. But yeah. um, the only thing that I have, like I said, dry week, and this is my big news. I guess I'll go back to back since my others were so short. Uh, I finished Castlevania, the series on mm-hmm. Netflix. They just posted the final 10 episodes of season four. And 
it was hit or miss for me. I'm happy that for Castlevania, it had like a fairy tale ending. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And I, I love these characters. I think they do like the main vampire and the, the main trio of Alucard, Trevor, and uh, Staya together very well. Mm-hmm. Like we like those dynamics and there's plenty like Alucard uh, is trying to like recover after a bad relationship of the last one. And then um, uh, Bill Nye's trying to bring back Dracula from hell. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just the vocal qualities of these actors is really impressive. But there's some things that bother me. The fight scenes are amazing. Very fluid. It feels like this whole season is like eight episodes worth of fight scenes entirely, mm-hmm. which is great. But um, they only have voice actors for the main characters and all the other townspeople and people who are like in the background. They never really do anything mm-hmm. or say anything or interact with any of the other characters in any way. So it's like, we need to protect these townspeople. They don't have any lines. They're just staring or giggling constantly, like, based on what's going on in the scene. And it just takes me out of the moment. Like, it was jarring for me. I don't remember if the other seasons did this exactly. It it just felt odd this season. I feel like we got blurbs from, like townsfolk in yeah. the early because you know there would be like crowds reacting to things yeah. or and other it villagers it feels like or... there's like less of that here and more like at, at times like the characters are just saying lines and like did they not know where the story was going when they wrote this because they reference the people around them but the people around them never say anything to them yeah like save innocent girl from a night creature attack the girl doesn't say anything she just smiles and then walks away do you suppose that's a COVID limit? Like, might be. bringing in might voice? Be. Like, how many people they... Because be. I know yeah. that a lot of them just, you know, they record their lines independently and mm-hmm. separately for safety reasons now, mm-hmm. but um, that could be maybe it. they just didn't want to enlist background voice people and they animated it accordingly. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it was in production when COVID was kicking off, mm-hmm. then maybe. Yeah. Um, I would want more. I feel like there should be a few more seasons, but apparently they're doing a spinoff series in a separate time period with different characters in the Castlevania universe for mm-hmm. Netflix, which is interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I would highly advise checking out this, but uh, it did end exactly the way I wanted it to end. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a solid ending. Um, and as I said, the characters are happier than I could ever imagine them to be, so so yay. Good. I Good. wouldn't expect that from Castlevania. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly. Yeah. Um... I mean, that does remind me of, of some other news that I had forgotten. Mm. He-Man. Mm. Uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe Revelations. Um, mm-hmm. I am very excited. Yes. I know that uh, people are... are uh, there's like... It's split down the middle, mm-hmm. it seems like, the reaction online. I, I am I am very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, You're ready to visit Fisto's Fortress once uh, more. I always. <laughs> and and it it looks like it's animated beautifully mm-hmm. um it's from some of the castlevania people mm-hmm. like that animation team and i think some of those producers are writers mm-hmm. uh it's coming from them mark hamill is skeletor perfect um kevin smith is 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 like in charge of i think is like the creative head mm-hmm. and he's a divisive figure but i have always loved his stuff mm-hmm. uh, you know i'll fully admit to that fact yeah. he's given a voice to New Jersey burnouts in cinema for many a year, mm-hmm. and uh, he seems to, like, love He-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so he cares about the product, and and this is going to be running concurrently with, I think, another Masters of the Universe, like, Masterverse type thing, which I, I think is the more, like, toy-oriented mm. type 
line. Mm. Um, which is cool, because in the past couple years, you know, I mean, we got the She-Ra series, um, but people were wondering what else could be done with these properties, and now it seems like, you know, maybe in the immediate future, He-Man himself will finally get a little renaissance. Mm -hmm. Um, because the last time they attempted that was, uh, because it aired on... One of the the tsunami like after school blocks the the last Masters of the Universe animated series which I loved, mm-hmm. but apparently it was one of those things where because the fans of it were mostly like girls mm-hmm. and it didn't sell merch they canceled it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like the same reason that they canceled the Thundercats yeah. reboot that they did with like the beautiful mm-hmm. Avatar esque animation. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I I am always there for it when there's like a like a more serious. I mean, as mm-hmm. serious as something as as goober as He Man can be, but like a you know playing into like the the action of it and mm-hmm. everything because they're they're all iconic characters, um, and I'm very excited for that. Mm-hmm. That was I think we got like preview stills for that, not a trailer, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um. Right. Anything else? Uh, well, yeah, a few mm. things. Mm. Um, the only uh, video game news was that I've just been playing through Resident Evil Village still. I've mm-hmm. uh, been going through Castle Dimitrescu and, yes. uh, you know, uh, had to defeat two of the daughters so far. Now, why do they live in a castle surrounded by the elements that they hate? <laughs> well, because they, 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 got, they got windows. So. And then they <laughs> never repair their walls that are so easy to burst open to let in the elements. Well, Ethan's lucky enough to fall through mm. things that lead Luck. to... <laughs> that lead to parts that are currently yeah. under construction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the contractors didn't get there yet. Yeah. And Ethan stumbles into them and then they pursue him and then mm. hubris. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> And so um, many statues that control doors. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and then because I have cheesed her off, uh, Demetrescu is now stalking the halls mm-hmm. between a few rooms looking for me. <laughs> um, still enjoying it. Yep. Uh, still, you know, I, I uh, through my own stupidity, I've gotten stuck at a few parts mm-hmm. that I've had to, like, look up, like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Because I hit, like, a dead end. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really, the, the solution is, is always... Uh, Explore. Right there, yeah. so it's it, it's um I just I could not figure things out, but mm-hmm. uh, now I'm I'm making steady progress mm-hmm. and uh I I'm loving it so far. Again, mm-hmm. if if Grant would heed our, <laughs> you know, uh, our warnings, yeah, he, 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 <laughs> he might would answer enjoy our it. fan mail. We would, yeah. <laughs> so I he probably would enjoy it. it mm. It's got good aesthetic. Um, and then, because uh, I wanted to discuss an anime, mm-hmm. um, I last night started Heat Guy J, huh. which um, I watched it on the Funimation app. Uh, it is an anime that aired from 2002 to 2004, and it focuses on kind of like a dystopian future world where I think most of humanity is limited to like seven big, like humongous cyberpunk cities. Hmm. And immigration between those cities is limited. The technology is kind of, um, you know, uh, legislated heavily and everything. Uh, and the main character, Daisuke, is a sort of like a like a secret agent or police officer with this special crime unit. Mm-hmm. And he's paired with a uh, an, uh, an android named Jay, who, uh, you know, in terms of the series name... 
as per PC owners will know that yeah, and when technology's doing stuff, it gets hot, so mm-hmm. he vents steam frequently mm-hmm. when he uses his... It's got, like, that... It goes heavy on, like, that aesthetic mm-hmm. with all of the, the androids and machinery within mm-hmm. the universe. Um, very interesting, I think, inevitably, when, uh, after, you know, you and I have covered certain projects that mm-hmm. are near and dear to us... And we're shopping around for other anime to cover. I think I'm going to bring it to the podcast mm-hmm. eventually. It's very short. Okay. I think it's only like 26 episodes. You can bang that out. Um, and it is famous uh, for being one of the contributing factors that bankrupted Genian, hmm. who were a uh, you know they were a licensing company with anime that uh, they the thing that they're famous for was they licensed uh, Escaflown mm. from Bandai. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they licensed Heat Guy J, and they paid the same amount of money to license it that Funimation paid for Full Metal Alchemist. Hmm. And it made a quarter of the yeah. profits of Full Metal Alchemist. One of those I've heard of. <laughs> yeah. Heat Man J. <laughs> and it, uh, it, it, it did not, uh, perform. I think even, uh, Genion folded for, you know, a variety of contributing factors years later, uh, well, they had a downward spiral at that point, and then they they folded. Um, and even now, apparently on Funimation's streaming service, it's one of the lowest performing ones. Hmm. Uh, but in, I I don't think it'll be dropped because no one else owns the rights to it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just up there for Funimation. They can yeah. just leave it there. And if you like it, it'll surely become a cult hit. Uh, yeah. Line. Well, that's you know um, we can will that into mm-hmm. existence. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's just an interesting little you know. Production, you know, and how it's affected the greater scheme of anime. Um, but I think it's an interesting premise. It's got some pretty good animation. Uh, the dub is rated as, like, one of the most pristine dubs hmm. ever. Hmm. You know, not only to come out of Genion, but, like, in general. Hmm. It's it's a very um, well-made dub. Hmm. Uh, but... We'll see. I'm yeah. going to keep going with it, and, you know, it appeals to our usual cyberpunk, you know, um, preferences, mm-hmm. so someday Plenty I think steam. we'll... Yeah. We'll, you know we'll, I like things steamy. Yeah, steam and cyber, steam so hands. we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll <laughs> probably showcase that here, because yes. I think it would be easy enough to showcase. Mm. So that's... I believe that's the only news I have. Mm, so. Care for a tangent? Of course. I have one inspired by recent events. So, if you may have heard over the Twitter sphere, um, Japanese audiences ranging from teens to 60-year-old uh, people uh, were polled to ask if an anime was given a live-action adaptation, which anime would they prefer? The resounding answer was none. <laughs> like... <laughs> I want to say at least a quarter of them, if not more so, said, we don't want this. <laughs> we wouldn't want any. But some of the other ones that took the top bill were Demon Slayer, Attack on Titan, Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Hunter x Hunter, etc. And I think we broached this topic lightly before, but I want to ask you once again, Dan. Mm-hmm. If you had the money for a live-action anime series, would you choose to use that to like put that into the universe? And which series would you choose, or would you just leave it as it is, and what's your reasoning for that? <laughs> I will have to think about this mm. one. Do you have Do you have an answer I, for Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I have talked in my past about my love for the Sailor Moon live action, but that, I think that feels that works better as like a TV show, kind of syndication with longer episodes. I'm trying to think of movie in this point of view, and we do have the Cowboy Bebop thing 
coming down the line. Mm-hmm. And I have mixed feelings about that. But yes. I, I think if done correctly, and I doubt it would ever be done correctly to like the fan specifications or like everyone would be totally happy. I think there's a premise there in Cowboy Bebop that could reach the world over. Yeah. And people would love it. It, it just feels like the perfect kind of thing to put in the place of like another space opera sort of thing to take the media and the people's attention you know away from star wars yeah adjacent to that i feel like cowboy bebop maybe some trigon in there as like yeah i was gonna say trigon too um for cheapness but westerns are usually difficult too but it's a space western so yeah maybe people like space and superheroes yeah yeah my hero academia Maybe we could do something with that. <laughs> the American spinoff. I, I, well, we already yeah. have Sky High, Dan. <laughs> I, well, yeah. And I think that, that My Hero Academia would lend itself mm-hmm. to something like that well. Um, but I don't know if I, if I would choose mm. any of those. Mm. If I was like, if I, if I had the bucks to spend on like making a live action show of any of these. Well, it goes without saying. Yeah. It belongs in a museum. Sonic but, X. <laughs> but, uh, like, I, I no, and this is a good. This is a good. T- I'm mm. trying. I'm trying to think of of. Um, well, we saw like, how Dragon put, Ball failed. <laughs> I'm putting myself. Well, yes, <laughs> and that's why I'm not touching One Piece. Mm-hmm. I'm not touching Hunter X Hunter. I'm not touching. You know, in why I'm hesitant to even touch Naruto or My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Um, because the character designs and the world design are so integral to all of those things Mm -hmm. that I do not trust them to any live action production company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've told you many times on this podcast my disdain for how the cheapness of some of our television affects the presentation. Yes. Um... Like, like not only the the cheapness, but the suits. Mm-hmm. We are living in, you know, this era where viewers are much more accepting and kind of open minded, and in like you know, not not loud assholes on Reddit, mm-hmm. maybe. I but, was about to say, look to the internet, then. But you know. Amazing things are being done by plenty of diverse voices, Mm -hmm. and it still feels like the same suits from the 90s are in charge of anything. Mm -hmm. And this is is like a shower argument that I've had, and I I assumed that it would come up on this podcast Mm. someday. Like, let's let's think about Cyborg 009. Perfect. One of our favorites. I assume that if a Cyborg 009 adaptation was We'd ever made... We'd have to made, cut it down to Cyborg 003. <laughs> There'd only be three of them. <laughs> th- that, they would, that they would look like a boy band. Yes. That they're, what makes each character design unique would be stripped away, mm-hmm. and all of them would be hot. Mm-hmm. And they would all look the same, and... No. 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 So, so things like that are out of the question. Things with a pronounced character designs like that are out of the question. Mm. Um, because they're just not willing to, to cast people who aren't 
hot, mm-hmm. and that's weird. Mm. Like we we, I, I don't I don't understand why you would want your lineup to be generic, but totally. they keep Sexy doing cells, it. Dan. And <laughs> so that rules out ones with characters like that. Mm-hmm. In terms of the world, I've already in my many rants about the potential for adapting Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm. I don't want it fucking filmed. In, like, like outside Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want the outskirts of Toronto to represent the vast and, like, Asian-inspired world mm-hmm. of Avatar The Last Airbender mm-hmm. because they got, like, a thing to film. And that's and that's a rant I have about many fictional franchises. Star Wars still fucking does that. Mm-hmm. Star Wars will never stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a galaxy of planets to explore. We're gonna film in this forest in Britain because that's it's what's done. <laughs> We can't... Well, damn, they can't go to the moon. <laughs> so, like, the only thing that I could think of, you would have to have a series, maybe like Vampire Hunter D. Yeah, I was going to say something. It has to be short. Yeah. It has to be something that, you know, you can build the lore, but it's not a 300 episode anime. Yeah. It needs to be like a short one-two-off thing. And like, if it succeeds, then you expand upon it and add more. Because Vampire Hunter D... Mm-hmm. Like, none of the, the you know, the characters have their names and their looks, mm-hmm. and you can go with that. You can, you know, if the old guys in the suits need sex appeal or something, mm. okay, it's probably built into whatever story you can tell there. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is set in, like, a Mad Max desert world, so it's cheap. They can go to the fucking desert in California, mm-hmm. and they can build a little shack set and the be like... The California desert. Beautiful. <laughs> We're movie making. <laughs> oh, imagination Cinema. is Cinema. endless. <laughs> be- I hate them. Uh, and oh, then okay. they'll, they'll like, uh, you know, they'll, they can do that. And then maybe they can CGI some, some like, larger, uh, like, the castle thing at the end of Bloodlust. Mm-hmm. They can, you know get that out of there yeah, just put up like a big green wall <laughs> like i would say any anime with like a post-apocalyptic setting like that Would where be, yeah. they can save some some cash with the sets mm-hmm. that might give them more incentive to adapt it properly mm-hmm. that's the only hope <laughs> yeah. that's yeah that's yeah so vampire hunter d i would say is probably mm. Up there, maybe Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, you could, you could, you know, you could take those character types and put them in like a, a ghost detective type setup. Mm-hmm. You know, you could save by using like the teen drama sets, mm-hmm. and then occasionally go into the the demon world, mm-hmm. as you know the show does sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the. I mean, sadly, that's the only way I can think to do things like this. Mm-hmm. Is how can I get them to save? Yes, I'm Uh-oh. thinking either that or you take the Detective Pikachu way of things, mm-hmm. and you just live in that universe with characters that we're not familiar with, like in the anime. Yeah. So, like as I've mentioned multiple times, Dream Heart of Hearts. If Yu-Gi-Oh ever gets adapted, yeah. I want all original characters. I don't want crazy hair. You can give one person crazy hair and be like, "Oh, okay, that's a a shout out to the franchise yeah. or something like that." But set it in like a real world scenario where people are just playing card games for the highest stakes possible make a camp make a camp yeah that's all i want camp but not corny hard hard thing to pull off but yeah but yeah. And, well and one punch man yeah i think one punch man could potentially 
if you make it like if you go like PG thirteen or R comedy, you could do mm-hmm. One Punch Man mm-hmm. somewhat properly. He's relatable, you know. It's a funny premise. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how they would. Like I feel again. Like I feel like the suits wouldn't be happy with. Well, he's got to Someone's got to take two punches by the end of the movie. <laughs> and you know, and then that's. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. that that would be. It, it, everything's a risk, mm-hmm. but. So I guess we can agree it's a resounding none then for now. Yeah. Until we're put in charge. Yeah. Yeah. And then I sell out and I become the corporate fan cat that you hate. And then you call me out and go on an arc. Well, and- <laughs> yeah. It, 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 and it's not, I think we are on the cusp of things maybe changing. Mm. I think, you know, as the television, you know, model collapses, they might give weirder projects to like smaller time creators mm. that could in theory lead to a lot more interesting stuff. Mm. But, Okay, because a few a few a few mm. uh, episodes ago, a few years, yes, I I made a joke where I compared Sony Pictures to a Bloodborne boss, mm-hmm. and that is an inside joke that I have made to people, but I did not explain it when <laughs> I was talking on this podcast, mm. and I I would imagine that like what the fuck is he talking about? Is he sa- Grandpa's ranting again? Is he saying <laughs> is he saying that like Sony was a Dark Souls, but like what what is he what <laughs> was the the joke with that is. Is that sometimes with these with these studios in the modern era, they're like a Dark Souls character type or a Bloodborne mm-hmm. character type, mm-hmm. where they're like wandering around the ruins of a castle, going like, "I will live forever," mm-hmm. and it's like, "No, Sony Pictures, you've had your time. <laughs> you gotta die. It's it's the it's mm-hmm. the natural way of things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you gotta leave so new things can happen. No, you know." Mm-hmm. And that's because that was Sony Pictures' business model for many years. They were trying to jumpstart like franchise after franchise, anything we can get the rights to. We mm-hmm. gotta, we gotta make a multiverse out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as that model no longer serves to work, mm-hmm. I hope that we can start getting more projects, mm-hmm. like maybe anime adaptations or things like that. But mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. The old ways have to die out first. <laughs> the old ways have to, like, they kind of have to... Man. Like, this is not 90s NBC must-see TV anymore. We're not... Uh, like, we will never be operating on those rules again. Mm. So, you gotta keep that in mind. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Good talk as always, Dan. Yeah. Pleasure probing your brain. Of course. Um, But after that tangent, are you ready for some good cinema? Yes. Alright, so today, in my second pick, my uh, piece de resistance... We're watching 2016's The Handmaiden, which is an epic period piece, <laughs> spends two and a half plus hours mm-hmm. that I just want to share with you. So why this film? Uh, Park Chan-wook of Old Boy, The Vengeance Trilogy, and Stoker, who I brought up multiple times on this podcast and saying that I don't like Stoker, but I'm going to give it a rewatch anyway. Um, but based on it's based on the story. It's not based on uh, Chan-wook's direction of that or Chung Chung-hoon's cinematography. Both are gorgeous and wonderful in that. Mm-hmm. It's just the story that I have an issue with in that film, and it kind of uh, clouds my eyes with hate. Um, but I'll give a rewatch to that as Penance. Uh, presents, so Park Chan-wook presents a South Korean period piece in Japanese-occupied Korea. Uh, this film has everything. It's got twists, romance, horror, suspense, and thrills. 
uh, highly recommended to me by other film buffs in my circles and one of my fave podcasts that isn't our own Gaylords of Darkness. Uh, finally got down to watching it and fell in love. I immediately rewatched it and have to show it to as many people as I can because I feel like it hasn't gotten the credit it's deserved because A, there's not like a Blu-ray release anywhere of this in the States mm-hmm. and t- unless it came out before. It is on streaming platforms available, but not a lot of people exclaim this as the masterpiece that I think it should be. Yeah. It's another Suspiria for me um but uh yet another film where every minute detail pays off and opens up the film in expansive ways for subsequent viewings uh it might be in my opinion the most underrated cinematic romance i've ever seen and as i mentioned at the top of this podcast it is not a pg-13 viewing as it gets very explicit at times so dan you'll have to shield your eyes while we watch yeah no bandit no your innocence (laughs) bandit will have to go in the back room (laughs) he'll go out in the deck and play in the yard while we watch um but never does so without having the emotion to back it up so it's always makes sense it's reasonable it builds it feels good um in a good way Mm -hmm. um and i will try not to spoil anything as it receives my highest madame blanc seal of approval Ah, so highest honor prestigious thing (laughs) next to the palme de is the madame blanc sticker that i stick on things um but uh, the drawing board award show edition as i said i'm going to try and keep this short so the handmaiden um is a 2016 south korean erotic psychological thriller film directed by park chan wook starring kim min hee kim tai rei uh hey ha jung woo and chu jin wong uh sorry about the mispronunciations uh, it is inspired by the 2002 novel fingersmith by welsh writer sarah waters Uh, with the setting change from Victorian-era Britain to Korea under Japanese colonial rule. Mm -hmm. Uh, The budget was 10 million won, which is approximately $8.8 million, and the box office was a $38.6 million uh, recoupment. So, did pretty good. Uh, Kim Min-hee as Lady slash Izumi Hidiko. Oh my gosh, Hideko. Uh, Kim Tai-rei as Maid slash Nam Suki. Was this a, she was selected from 1,500 candidates to play this role, so she was essentially an unknown, mm-hmm. but um, she shines in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's like the breakout star of this. Um, ha Jung-woo as Count Fujiwara, Chu Jin-wung as Uncle Kuzaki, Kim Hae-suk as Butler, Madame Sasaki, and Moon So-ri as Hideko's aunt. Uh, the film premiered in competition at the 2016 Calm Film Festival, where it received a standing ovation, and Ryu Song-hee won the Vulcan Award of the Technical Artist for her art direction work on the film. This is a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. It's scrumptious, it's period, it's wonderful. It looks more expensive than it actually is. Like, that 10 million won looked like chump change. It's like, how did they get this out of all that little money? Yeah. It looks much more expensive yeah. than it, I, I, I mean, I would assume after watching it uh in the united states the distribution of the film was handed by amazon studios same company as suspiria just so you know and magnolia pictures uh the film opened in limited release across five cinemas in new york city and los angeles and played in 140 additional cinemas in the following weeks eventually the film grossed more than two million dollars in the united states theatrically the film outgrossed stoker and became the highest grossing park chan wook directed film in the united states it was released on dvd not even a blu-ray dan in the u.s on the 24th of January 2017 and Blu-ray on March 28, 2017. As I said, these have been extant. <laughs> They're high, high, high in price. I assume that the Criterion or some other studio is going to get their hands on it eventually mm-hmm. and get the rights and then sell it. Um, 
let's hope we can will that into the universe as we yeah do i was just gonna say yeah. we, yeah. so like criterion will announce like their october picks for, within the week yeah. that's the generally the time frame so, so I mean, <laughs> as is tradition let's hope it remains the same uh the handmaiden received critical acclaim on rotten tomatoes the film has a high approval rating of 95 percent based on 210 reviews and an average score of 8.3 out of 10 um so one cut of the dead actually did better in the ratings department but i think that's a snack movie this is a sumptuous feast. <laughs> you must prepare yourself, right? <laughs> you must leave room for seconds, thirds, dessert, wine. <laughs> There's too much for some. It's too rich. Yes. <laughs> uh, the site's critical consensus reads, The Handmaiden uses a Victorian crime novel as the loose inspiration for another visually sumptuous and absorbingly idiosyncratic outing from director Park Chan-wook. The film landed on 40-plus critic top 10 list, including Danny Bowes and Dan Callahan. Dan Callahan of RogerEbert.com, James Baradinelli, who we will know from film class as the only reviewer we ever used uh, on Real Reviews. Remember mm-hmm. that name? Do you recall? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, Grant isn't in the room either to go, aha, I recognize yeah, that the, name. the novel length essays. <laughs> <laughs> Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, <laughs> left a lot to be desired, yeah. so. It is no Citizen Kane. <laughs> And many, many more. I just wanted to shout out our film class memories because memories, damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's our 10-year reunion soon. We're old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, in uh. 2019, The Guardian ranked The Handmaiden 41st on its 100 best film of the 21st century list. In 2020, The Guardian also ranked it number one among the classics of modern South Korean cinema. Uh, it won too many awards to account for, so I'll list a few. Uh, at the 2018 British Academy Film Awards, it won Best Picture. At the 2017 Saturn Awards, Best International Film. 2016 Asian Film Awards, Best Supporting Actress for Moon So Rhee. And Best Newcomer, Kim Tae-ri. Uh, Best Production Design, Ryo Seong-hee. Best Costume Designer, uh, Jo Sang-kyong. 2016 Korean Association of Film Critic Awards, Top 10 Films of the Year, and Best Cinematography for Chung Chung Hoon. At the 2016 Cannes Film Festival, was nominated for the Palme d'Or, the highest honor. That means you won every award that's possibly to be offered at mm-hmm. that. So, uh, the Queer Palm and Ryu Song Hee won the Vulcan Award. Mm-hmm. So, awards, prestige, <laughs> prestige, prestige. <laughs> yes. Um, any initial thoughts? Because that's all I want to say. Have you heard about this movie aside from me? I doubt it, but... Uh, no. Yeah. Um, but you have been hyping this up for... Yes. Uh, even before we did Animasterpiece, mm-hmm. I, I think, you I know... I idea in my head. This was a twinkle in your eye, mm-hmm. I would say, months ago to... Mm-hmm. I feel like everything has been building to this for yes. quite some... You have been hyping this up. Um, and as was the case with Suspiria, anything that has elicited that reaction from you, mm-hmm. I am certainly excited to see firsthand. Mm. So, I mean, you've yet to let me down in terms of recommendations, and mm-hmm. if if something's making you, you know, go gaga, then mm. I'll, you know, I'm, I am interested, so, mm. yeah. Okay, well, I want your virginal eyes, your innocent view on mm-hmm. this movie remember keep the children out of the room don't let them listen to the podcast no. they can go to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever a child does nowadays well, Chuck E. Cheese might not be a thing anymore mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't I mm-hmm. not around here yeah. at least but uh, I was gonna suggest Bowcraft but that Ooh. was long ago <laughs> no one's gonna get that reference <laughs> <laughs> Jerseyites <laughs> will get it what do you mean it's a quick google search away route 22 Bowcraft there right 
Settled. Well, the ruins that was. <laughs> we were discussing culture, Dan. I had to bring up the epitome. <laughs> it is long gone, sunk into the, the desert sands of New Jersey. It has vanished. <laughs> Many a childhood memory was made there, so. All right. Well, with that, let us get into 2016's The Handmaiden. I'm going to wear these special gloves. And I'm going to tell you a story, Dan. And you're going to listen. You're going to like it. Oh, Ooh. gee. I hope so. <laughs> I can honestly say I've never been <laughs> a little yeah. bit more steamy than after watching that movie with Dan. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean Did you find it pleasing? I did. No, this this is a uh um You know, I I don't want to gush over it because this mm. probably isn't something that i would have come across on my Without own yeah. ever you know as have been several things on this podcast mm-hmm. but uh I, I mean this this is probably the the densest thing that we've mm. going you know that we have covered thus far on this podcast mm-hmm. um and perhaps will for the foreseeable future yeah. um but it is it is a it is a phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. It 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 plays with you. Yeah, it, it, I it I has... like how there's so many twists and turns. Yeah, it and and you know you think that you you know based on cliches or tropes mm-hmm. that you know where things are heading. Yeah. Um, and you know, and again, same same with how I was watching Last Cut of the Dead. If I'm convinced of my own smartness, then mm-hmm. you know the movie can fool me easier mm-hmm. and i thought i was figuring things out and then the movie w- and it would take these turns and i was like oh no mm-hmm. like fuck like mm-hmm. is that what's really ha-? but then it 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 twists back and it's i it's a great movie mm-hmm. again i don't i don't know i'm i've never been a huge drama mm-hmm. uh person um I've seen, uh, in terms of romance, I've probably seen more crappy rom-coms than I have mm-hmm. genuinely great... Uh, you mean Transformers uh, doesn't go to this level? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh. No. It, it reaches for the stars, but mm. it falls so flat. Um, mm. No, it it, mm. I, it is a great movie. Again, I, I this is probably one of the heavier yeah. movies that so, we are going to, to yeah. touch upon here. Part so. of the reason why I par- partnered it with a, um, a shorter movie, as I said, this is long. Thank you for sticking with me through it. I mm. hope it was entertaining. Um, I did choose these to kind of get you out of your comfort zone a bit, because I was yeah. like, oh, Dan's the trope king. <laughs> he is yeah. the king of tropes. Yeah. He's going to think he's going to zig, and then he's going to zag when watching these movies. And part of me, you know, a little masochist within me was like, yeah, yeah. we're going to get Dan's <laughs> really no, good. And that was successful. Mm. In both of these cases, I, you know, was, was genuinely... Mm-hmm. Yeah, toyed with. Yeah. yeah. So I love playing with dance emotions. It, it's it's one of those things where 
like literally the only thing that could even take you out of that immersion mm. is you know like we're watching it and we know and you know you told me that it's like two hours something yeah and i'm thinking okay we're maybe an hour and a half <laughs> into it and there's still an hour left. you know so i'm thinking okay there's still a th- there's, we're going to get a third part of this story rule of threes and mm-hmm. it was you know yeah it pays off yeah yeah and something that i liked watching it i mean this is probably like my fifth rewatch in three months of it but i'm gonna set it to the wayside a bit with suspiria you know have to give them their space throughout the year. Something I noticed is that, like, when you know where the story's going, there's so many of these little clues that I'm going to bring up in the notes yeah. that are there the whole time. They're in plain sight, and they, like, almost tease you exactly where the story is going, but they don't overtly say it. Yeah. Um, this is definitely a movie that's passionate. It looks expensive. It feels expensive. I do think that the first act drags just a tiny bit, but it's because we're setting up our three major players here, or yeah. four major players, if you include uh, the uncle. Um, I just think it tells a story that's worth listening to. I'm passionate that it is a lesbian drama, which we don't see a lot of, especially over here. Yeah. Um. So I, I just think that a lot of more people should watch this and enjoy it. Well, I mean, not only uh, a lesbian or gay drama, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. one with a happy ending. Yeah. Like, I, I was... Again, in terms of toying with me, mm-hmm. knowing cliches and knowing, like, I, I never expect, unfortunately, mm-hmm. characters in yeah. gay relationships to get to end up happy. Yep. And there was a part in that, like, third act with the, you know, I mean, we'll get there, but mm-hmm. with, like, the uh, the, the vial of, of poison mm-hmm. and everything, I'm like, fuck, is that gonna... Like yeah, is that how it's gonna you end? Know, is, There's all this Romeo she, and Juliet symbolism. Yeah, have to find like her in mm-hmm. that room, you know, mm-hmm. and it did not. Yeah, it no, mm. it did not. So and they were just having fun on a boat with some bells in the yeah. end. That's yeah. all we need, Dan. Again, Bandit can't watch. No, so. <laughs> Bandit, Bandit could not watch at least three of the gratuitous scenes in this movie. But the rest is fine. But it, and, you know, and that's not to say, I mean, we'll, we'll joke, but yeah. everything is done, I mean, beyond, like, it's done artistically, mm-hmm. it's done, like... And uh, with a purpose. Yeah. Well, no, I and mean, intent, as you said, yeah. in the beginning, everything has a, a purpose to mm-hmm. it. There is nothing in this movie that you could, you know, yeah. that lacks... Yeah. The punch it needs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so... Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Dan. Yeah. I'm very happy. So, we're gonna get into this plot synopsis. I did take... My own notes, so forgive them if they seem a little scatterbrained, and feel free to interrupt me as often Mm -hmm. as you want, because I enjoy your commentary. Um, The first thing we need to know is the theme of language in this movie. Before the movie even starts, we get, uh, there's going to be different Korean and Japanese subtitles, and it's very important thematically, because it's about Japan being occupied by Korea, and Mm -hmm. then the nature of speech, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the uncle is trying to become Japanese, even though he is Korean, a lot of people are opposing under different factions, and language is key. Because not only written language, but uh, speaking the language plays yeah. an important part in Suki's adventure uh, throughout this mansion. And I, I just love language, right? It's a good yeah. study. Um, uh, part one, we start in 1940s Japan, occupied Korea. Uh, we get to see that Suki's hairpin is being dis- bestowed to her. There's only gift from her thief family. Uh, the hairpin's a big thing because... It's like, I, I mean, I'm going to layer this movie a lot, Dan, but uh, when your hair's pinned up, it's like more formal, right? Letting yeah. your hair down. It's a tool that she uses later on in the film. It's like a part of that family that she always has with her. 
And we don't we don't get the context of no. this, but like we get we see a group of women standing around with babies, mm-hmm. an older woman, and then they are seeing you know the, off. Suki yeah. off, mm-hmm. and then you know she has the umbrella out in the rain, mm-hmm. and you, right away your mind thinks, okay, it's like the women of an extended family mm-hmm. with their with their kids. And, you know, for some reason, one of the sisters got a job yeah. that the other one wanted. Dan can finally leave Kenilworth. Yeah. And then... <laughs> it should have been me! You know, and then the matriarch is there <laughs> yeah. to see them. But that's... Yeah. We get context for it later, and mm-hmm. it's not what it seems. Yep. So. so Suki has received a job at a, an alleged Japanese well-to-do who lives in a big house. So mm-hmm. this is a prestigious position. Uh, she's kind of set if she takes this job. Um, and she's posing when she arrives there. Uh, I do like, like, there's this gatehouse. She wakes up like, oh, okay, it's time to go. And they're like, no, go back to sleep. The house is still further yet. Yes. Um, it is a huge estate. Um, we find that this house is divided into three sections. There's a Western-style house, an Eastern-style house, and a, a house that combines the two styles. Mm-hmm. Because the uh, old man who lives here, um, he did some things for the Japanese that helped him occupy Korea. And he's kind of had a respect, at least so he says, about these three different styles. Yeah. It's about compartmentalizing and then blending them together. Um, Suki is going to work here, taking care of this man's niece, who is the lady of the house, and she just needs a handmaiden to help her out. Um, well, in terms of this setting, I mm-hmm. wanted to ask, is mm-hmm. this, like, uh, you know, was was this place built for this movie, or was it some place that wasn't existing? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because it wouldn't surprise if yeah. a place like that actually existed. Because, I mean, they got you know, it for a good deal if it was under that budget, too. So I would assume that some things, like maybe the interiors were built, Yeah, but the exterior probably exists somewhere. Yeah. Because, I mean, I could see, any, I mean, anyone, I mean, I think there have been plenty of rich people who've wanted to combine styles, and they just yeah. mash the two houses together, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's I'd very be lavish. curious. Yeah. Very beautiful. Uh, Suki's servant name is going to be Tokuma slash Okja. Uh, the first night there, Lady Hideko uh, wakes and Suki, to Suki and reveals that she is often plagued by visions of her dead aunt who hung herself from the branches of a cherry tree still on the property, or a sakura blossom tree. Um, but... What a way to make an intro, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, right, this is my first night here. I screamed in the night. Oh, my God. Did you know that my aunt hung herself on that tree? Yeah. Right? It, make it a big splash here. Uh, Suki explains to the audience that she is a thief who has been trained by her family of thieves while they sell their babies, the babies that we saw in the opening shots, to more wealthy families so they have a better life. So they are good intention thieves. Yeah. Um, they're doing this to set these children up because... Uh, they prefer to be passed off as, like, the babies pass off as Japanese so they get a better life. Mm-hmm. And that's why their mothers uh, kind of donate their babies or their services to them. Uh, one day in the past, a man known to the family appears, and he goes by the name Count Fujiwara. Uh, he gives a plan to the family, saying that he will seduce Lady Hadiko, marry her, put her in the madhouse, and steal her vast fortune from out from her uncle's nose. And in doing this, he needs the help of one servant girl, and he will split... Not evenly, but the fortune that he obtains with this thieving family, yeah. if everything goes according to plan. Uh, this will provide some wealth to the family of thieves, uh, but in order for the ruse to work, someone must pose as a handmaiden and hype up the count. This will be Suki. There's no exact reason why he chooses her, I think. I think between her and her sister character, the one that's always like, it should have been me, I'll go, my Japanese is better. Mm-hmm. I think Suki is a little bit more, like, intelligent in that other way well yeah and they kind of want it like a dullard or someone who won't really realize what's going on 
Well, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, it could be intel, but it wasn't like like the bone structure yeah. thing because it it was someone that he well later on mm-hmm. the swapping plot yeah could that probably that's probably it. Dan. You know, yeah. Suki was closer to the picture because this whole thing with when you know um, Fujiwara enters this little house, it's a cool little scene because mm-hmm. he. He takes the hairpin, yep. which which seems to be their like signature thief thing, mm-hmm. and he knows what to, you know. He's yeah. like, okay, he's so done this, this before. This is a house of thieves, so yeah. he walks over, unlocks their stash mm-hmm. underneath the staircase, and he's taking out like presumably the little you know more expensive treasures yeah. that they've stolen, like a little Buddha statue mm-hmm. a and a, a vase, and he's a suggestive like, vase. <laughs> he's like, okay, so I know what you are doing here. Like, I know what kind of you know. So it, it's. He's he's been in this situation mm-hmm. before, and the family buys it, but they do seem a little wary of him, like just coming into their home and establishment. We could assume that they've met before, yeah, or at least like he's heard tell of this thieving family and will expose them if they don't follow through with the plans. But they agree to this. Suki does ask though, like along with the dresses and jewels and my cut, I want a little bit extra too, mm-hmm. since I'm putting my neck on the line. So she's independent, she's ambitious, she's a good main character. I feel. Like, we're rooting from her from the start. Yeah. Like, she has her head about her, her wits about her. I'm into her. Uh, S- Lady Hidiko's uncle, uh, Kozuki, is a collector of first edition slash rare out-of-print books and has a vast library. Um, and he's kind of a skeeve throughout the entire film, too. Yeah. He's, when we meet him in a few seconds, he is not the nicest character. His niece, Hideko, acts as his ward and is taxed only with living in this expensive mansion, not leaving the property, and whenever the uncle needs a public reading, she's going to be the one that performs or reads the the cuttings of the books Mm -hmm. to the people that attend these parties uh, for rich potential buyers. Um, But it is revealed that he sells fakes. The thieves put that together. They're like, oh, well, clearly... If he's making all this money and has all these volumes, he's the type of person not to sell the original text. He's going to need someone to forge them for him. Yeah. So he doesn't profit or lose off his precious possessions. Uh, I put down those suckers. I'm flummoxed. I just like the way that Suki speaks in this. Like, she may not be able to read or write in language, but she has a brain up there. Yeah. And she knows exactly what she's saying and thinking. Suki presents a fake letter of introduction penned by Count Fujiwara, who is a master at forgery. Um, and then this is the point that I wrote down. Oh my God, she's hot. No one warned me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the next day Hideko's all done up and she's like, oh God, <laughs> this is not good. Um, Hideko has never left the house before and doesn't have much to read besides thousands of books. That's all she does. Uh, Suki cannot read her own name, let alone the writing that Hideko holds out to her. And as we will see later, this shot is cut off. Like, it's behind a beam in this first shot. Mm -hmm. But on the letter, uh, she's written something that's imperative to the plot, but Suki can't read it. Yeah. So it's another little tidbit for us. Uh, Hideko offers to teach Suki how to read. Her only condition is that Suki must never lie to her. Uh, Suki goes, sure. And then she lies about that because clearly this whole ruse is a lie already. Yeah. Hideko shows a picture of her mother in a locket saying that she can never hope up to live to her mother's beauty. Uh, They then have this whole process of choosing shoes. I did want to point out that Hideko is almost always seen in gloves and there's more of that like intimacy and touch. Yeah. uh, That she's been conditioned or trained to always wear these gloves when handling books. So she hasn't experienced human touch in that. So it's like little costume elements even help out the plot a lot of this film. Um... 
She says, I have reading practice with uncle. Please knock on the library door at noon and then get me there. Suki snoops around and finds a few um, odd items, including a set of very heavy beads hidden in one of Hideko's kimonos. Um, and she finds a coil of rope just stashed in a hat box. Yeah. So the first day she's already looking through everything and finds these two items that are important later on. It's a lot of uh, mystery mouse tools in this film mm-hmm. that will be important later, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, Toodles? Uh, when uh, the time arrives to enter the library, Suki does so without knocking and is stunned as Hideko and her uncle scream at her, saying not to step forward into the bonds of knowledge and to beware the snake that's just sitting there. So Dan's like, oh, is it a real snake? But it's a statue of a it, snake. Yeah, yeah. And it's the guardian of knowledge. And there's this whole phallic symbol where this is a resident evil room where um, Hideko uh, closes the gates by pressing a le- lever and like pushes Suki out of the room yeah so like it's a it is a little resident evil puzzle here and another thing that we got to get filled in with Mm. context later on Mm -hmm. is why if this is a masculine space then why is um haideko allowed to be reading Mm -hmm. and that that you know in its way is made clear later like you know we, yeah. we know that there's a boundary of 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 uh you know gender here why is haideko allowed past the snake and mm-hmm. everything and it's it is to the uncle's ends yeah. that she al- is you know able to read mm-hmm. so uncle koizuki is always portrayed in a sinister nature he is compared to a snake because he is constantly like dipping his pen in ink and then putting it on his tongue so he gives himself a black tongue yeah. while doing it um, not a good character quality to have if you're... What do you mean I'm the villain, Dan? It's like... <laughs> I don't know. Um, that evening, Suki gives Hideko a bath, and Dan goes, Oh, this is that poster image that you kept flaunting around on. Goes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, eat your lollipop in the bath. You know, when Dan gets a, a cavity or his tooth is bothering him, what do I do? Bust out the thimble and just... Weather it away right there, Dan. Yeah, grind the tooth down. Yeah. yeah. And um, this is a steamy scene. <laughs> intimate yeah and yeah i mean it's i mean smarter people than i could probably get down to the exact some but it's like someone's mouth is a pretty intimate you know and then hands another Mm -hmm. thing and then it's it's like they're casually glancing at one another yeah this level of comfort this you know it's like a you know there's a lot just condensed into this part here dan hasn't gotten to that point with me in the bath yet but we're working towards it (laughs) Um, hey bandits could be listening to this so (laughs) uh count fujiwara arrives the next day and it's kind of like are you hyping me up enough is she ready for me um and he and suki meet up in secret um he just wants to make sure that she's still taking care of her part of the plan and then delivers the code phrase fully ripe will mean that is the time to strike Mm -hmm. when i say that that means the plan is on we've got to get this marriage going yeah all right uh, Suki says that she's all in on the plan, but is becoming distracted by Hideko's beauty, uh, training pretty. Um, so they're playing dress up with each other because what else do you do? It's like you have a handmaiden. You don't do anything aside from reading the entire day and walking around. Um, yeah. In her free time, they're dressing each other up and looking at each other's bodies a lot. And Suki makes this comment like, so many buttons and they're all for me. She's like a little doll of mine. And if I were a better thief, I would stick my hand inside dot dot dot. <laughs> Doesn't finish the sentence. Yeah. And there's a lot of, la- I mean, uh, aside from like the central yeah. subtext of this scene, it's it's like, oh, they, uh, they're they getting used to dressing up as it because there's going to be an identity mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. again, I would assume on repeat viewings, and this is the kind of thing that 
And it's like, almost hmm? like their their internal monologues are matching the uh, romance novels that are going throughout the movie, yeah. right? So yeah. it because that's her only frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, Uncle Koizuki forges copies of his first editions so that way he can make loads of money without ever selling the originals. Uh, the Countess and Fujiwara's courtship begins with a Count-led art class, and I do like this because. Uh, Fujiwara's like, yeah, you're good. You could see past the object. And she's just like child scribbling on the painting. Like she could barely paint. Yeah, the not another teen movie yeah. stick figure. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Uh, Fujiwara instructs Suki that the code phrase is fully ripe. Uh, uh, he releases it and by biting into a peach. And I didn't remember this happening without you. And you're like, oh my God, that peach went everywhere. Yeah, ruin your suit, ruin the rug. My eye. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that. You bite into the pitch. <laughs> not in polite company. <laughs> But the game is on. Uh, we get some more quick backstory where Suki reveals that her mother was hanged as well. Hung? Hang? Hanged. Hanged? I believe. Yeah. I don't know, tense. Um, but her adoptive older mother thief figure is being kind to her and saying that when she was hanged, she didn't go sad or angry. She went laughing because she was happy that she was able to have you before she went. Yeah, she got the got will gone. of D-death. Yeah. That's, I was like, ooh, one piece dead. This will wake Dan up. Ooh. Uh, uh, Fujiwara and Hideko are getting closer and closer. Suki has regrets and walks on the two, being almost intimate. Uh, That night, Hideko rings Suki's servant bell so much that it breaks, so it's like a need to see each other, a need to explain one another, and she asks uh, Suki to please sleep with her tonight. Uh, I wouldn't know what to do to please a man, especially the Count or my first husband. Can you show me? And Suki's like... All right, fine. Gets a lollipop out of the drawer, sticks it in uh, Hideko's mouth and goes, I'll show her a few things or two. But that's it. That's where I draw the line. But um, we get a first of a passionate lovemaking scene. And I just like how visceral this is. Yeah, well, I mean, we get the the first half of that. And then the redux and then the 2.5 Ultra HD remix of it. Yeah, no, because I mean, but again, it's interesting how it layers because we get like the what would be considered, like, the fooling around yeah. part of it. And yeah. then later on, we see that all in that one night, mm-hmm. a lot more happened. Yeah. So, it, you know, again, what what's revealed to us yeah. kind of refills in everything. And so. it's endearing, because, like, they're looking at each other's bodies. There's no shame. She goes, oh, your boob, it's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's cute. Uh, there's a great love scene between the two. Uh, that bandit could not attend for, and any no. children should not be present for. Not yet, but eventually. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of lines dropped too that we figure out later on. Like, oh, am I cold as a corpse to you? Mm-hmm. Would you not be able to sense that I have like a pulse or yeah. whatever? And it's you should draw like, away from me like a a hand to the flame or whatever. Like yeah, a lot of repetitious phrases in this this movie. Uh, Fujiwara is still seducing Hideko. Uh, Suki is fucking pissed. She's throwing mushrooms everywhere. <laughs> Who's gonna clean those up? Uh, she's getting pissed at, uh, and Fujiwara is getting pissed at Suki for fudging up his plans. Uh, she, he like, and this is like very disturbing. Like he grabs her hand, puts it on his junk and then like says to her, see how much I want this. Yeah. Like he's thinking with his member instead of his head here. Yeah. He's motivated by different means here. Uh, Suki does get a one up line though. Like I'll go through with this. Don't hurt her as bad and don't ever like put my hand on that tiny joke of a cock you call yourself or whatever yeah Again. she always she always asserts her like mm-hmm. you know uh, edge against him yeah. and, which is good like they keep up this you know she's not uh, subservient she may be in the servant role but she's not backing down yeah and it's well because it, it, it's also a thing where i mean it'll i guess i guess it'll come back later on but 
Suki, like, disguises her, her feelings mm-hmm. for Haidako. She's like, oh, no, the con won't work if you push too hard too yeah. fast. You gotta, you gotta take it slower mm-hmm. uh, to be more careful for the sake of the con, of course. Yes. Oh, it's... All yeah. for the con. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Fujiwara says to casually mention that Hideko's toenails have been growing faster since I've been here, which is like a throwaway funny line. Like, there's some elements of comedy in this. Yeah. Like, the way people bumble around each other's rooms and, like react to scenarios and this is just i assume meant to uh show that like with the count around hideko has become more primal and animalistic more sexual like his his arrival has made her toenails grow faster like that's what he's trying to insinuate i I would be curious about i I would be curious if it's that or if it's like an old wives tale that when a woman's being more alive their nails grow faster Mm. like you're I, i i don't i don't i assumed it was some kind of like you know cultural thing. some thing yeah. that like a dude would believe mm. is true so he's mm. like oh by the way that tell could her be it too. so yeah yeah uh but hideko and suki clearly falling for one another um she then they get like this intimate private conversation where hideko goes i would be content with just you here with me um and almost like she's backing down the conversation goes sour because suki is like playing oblivious like you'll love him you won't care about me anymore. Like, this is clearly the better option. And then Hideko slaps Suki twice. And they're at ends with one another. Um, Hideko then accepts Fujiwara's proposal. And we learn that the uncle is going on a business trip. And this is the time that the pair is planning to run away and elope while he is gone. Before he leaves, he states to Hideko to always remember the basement. And, like, this basement, what's in it? We don't find out until... The last 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. But it's, like, sufficiently hyping it up, I think. Because these characters seem to be... It's enough to keep her there. Yes. In this this place um, as a warning. Um, she's clearly very afraid of that. Um, the two run away with uh, Suki as handmaiden because Fujiwara has driven off and is staying nearby to, like, accept them. So we see them uh, heading out into the night and running away. Uh, Hideko is always wearing gloves in these scenes. So it's interesting that she can't, like, leave that part behind. It's just Mm -hmm. a a, a little, you know, cinema trivia fact. Um, And then on the wedding night, when they are getting married, we see that Fujiwara passes a vial to Hideko after the marriage ceremony. Yes. And it's like, what is that? No one really makes a scene about it, but it's just presented to us as another little clue along the way. Um, as the marriage is consummated in the next room, Suki sings sadly. So it's like, oh, all right, this part of our relationship's over. I have to go on with the con now. I have to compartmentalize because now we're in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the next morning, there's blood on the sheets and Suki and Hideko still long for each other and steal kisses from one another. Fujiwara sends in some doctors who ask Suki how her lady is mentally doing. Suki says that she really is quite mad. Um, when they arrive at the madhouse a few days later, Suki learns that she has been set up. Both Hideko and Fujiwara have made it seem like she is the mad lady, and Hideko is the handmaiden who replies, she's gone nutty. Suki is dragged into the asylum as Hideko watches Stoneface, and Suki states, she may have seemed innocent, but she was always a bitch. Yeah. So, what did that twist do to you, Dan? What did you feel? Uh, I still had hope, but I was scared. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, is this like, you know, is there something we don't know about Suki? Is there something like, we, you know, and, and, uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, no, this is, this is one of those moments mm. where it like 
it toys with you. Yeah. So. And then part two is a flashback to Hideko's youth. She is a young Korean girl who cannot speak or read Japanese. Her very creepy, un- creepy uncle beats her painfully with the same heavy beads we saw hidden in her room before for disobedience. And this is a visceral, like, child abuse scene. Yeah. It's immediate, like, oh, okay, this is a villain. What are we watching? Did we switch gears in movies? Like, is this why Hideko's fucked up and did this to Suki in the first place? I just like how it doesn't. It doesn't spill all the beans first. It well, that's who work for it. That's how. That's where it seems. Yeah. Where this is like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna get context yeah. for you know that that Heideko is actually you know yeah. a, a a villain yeah. perhaps mm-hmm. you know or that her life her here has, has yeah, you, you know, know you got the hand punishment mm-hmm. that you know and it's, the gloves. it's like yeah. me is something like you know is this something that her uncle in some weird way has been prepping her to, like we don't yeah. Like, when that starts, we don't know, because now we only know, you know, that there was a con going on. In this house full of horror, one person who is in the same position as Heideko is her aunt, in quotes. I don't think they're blood-related. I think that the, uh, you know, Fujiwara did this to her, Mm -hmm. and, like, maybe they are a niece or whatever, and that's kind of, like, what they tell the public. Yeah. Because she has to inherit that fortune somehow, so I assume that maybe she's a blood relative, but it doesn't feel like a blood relation thing. They don't know each other as well. Uh, Who comforts young Hideko and gives her the same mother locket story that Hideko uses on Suki before. Mm -hmm. So we could see that Hideko uses the things that she gains throughout her life experiences Mm -hmm. in different ways. Um, She's adaptable in that way. Uh, Hideko will tell the same story in the future. Uh, we learn that from five years old, Uncle Koizaki has trained both of these ladies to read and perform written pornography, despite their dislike of the subject material. They are physically beaten and mentally tortured for their lives, unable to escape. So another great twist. It's like, oh, they're reading books. What could it be, right? Yeah. And then we get this, no, it's a very lewd, uncomfortable thing that the uncle takes to the tens. Yeah. Like, he's so obsessed with it. It has to be perfect. If they don't do it, they get beaten abused in some way and threatened that there's going to be a mental institution that i'm going to send you to yeah Mm. there's more about him in a second but i we haven't gotten to that thing yet yeah Uh, yeah one night hideko's aunt hangs herself not being able to take this life anymore leaving hideko alone to read the novel aloud in showing uh to the buyers uh she dons geisha wear so she is south korean but she's forced to wear a Japanese traditional wear Mm -hmm. um, to sell these books and reads these porn as these men imagine and react. Her job is to be perfect. And after years of abuse have made her great at reading aloud. Um, Perfect public speaker, by the way, changes the character stays in the character. (laughs) So I do not recommend this training, but I mean, pays off. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Um, Her job is to be perfect. And these are the men that Dan were talking about in the intro, the Sony men (laughs) just in their suits yeah watching yeah. the smut yeah and yeah. it's uh, you know hiding their boners <laughs> and this is the you know i i i'm sure that some version of this happens uh, like i i yeah. it would not surprise me in the slightest mm-hmm. um if this was a thing like mm-hmm. that high class folks mm-hmm. would you know I, yeah. I i don't you know the depravity oh, yeah. So, yeah yeah very uh. david lynch of them yeah <laughs> What would I read that would make me feel this way? <laughs> uh, some Wario fanfic. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Waluigi fanfic. We always go to those two. Well, I mean, <laughs> stay tuned for future art. We've got some costume ideas that may reach out. 
Um, but uh, showing even more kink, when one book is missing an illustration slash woodcut, Hideko acts as a live sex doll, recreating the scene with a wooden dummy midair. So just the lengths and the means that this uncle goes to in these little shows. And uh, this is this is the part where we get like a like a, a touch of mm-hmm. of the uncle's like because he explains that the woodcut illustration is missing from his copy. Mm-hmm. The other well-to-do folks are like, "Oh well, mm, I, we without it, you could have, you know, we, we would have named our price." And there's like a like a tinge across the uncle's face mm-hmm. where he's like, like impotence, yeah, like he. He is someone who has been spoken down to. Like, mm-hmm. he has, like, an inferiority Complex, thing. Yeah. And he needs to create the image that he's better mm-hmm. than than that. Mm-hmm. And this is the length that he is willing to go to, yep. to, you know. Oh, well, you know, maybe I don't have the complete work, but I have mm-hmm. this. And, yeah. Yep. So, it's, it's, it's interesting. And Fujiwara is there pre-heist, even though that's part of his long-term plan as we long as we find out in a few minutes, but he is there and he's very into not kind of Hideko, but more of like the image. It's hard to describe. Like he's into the reading and writing more, right? Would you feel like he's into the subject material, but not Hideko as a person. She's kind of like a vessel. Yeah. He's no, he's, he's misplacing the, like the emotion for her. Well, cause he's obsessed with the image yeah. too. And he, which is like a fascinating thing mm-hmm. as the rest of this develops with him yeah. and Haidako. It's it's like um like he goes on this whole uh like speech that you know I could uh, if I wanted to have sex with she somebody would come to me, yeah. I could like give a look to any woman in this house mm-hmm. including like Mrs uh, the, uh Sakaki the, yeah. the the old like maid lead maid mm-hmm. and you know they would show up naked to my bedchamber within minutes. Mm-hmm. But I get no reaction from Haidako, and mm-hmm. that makes her enticing. To yeah. me. Like, that idea... She is every woman. <laughs> yeah, like, m- makes her interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that he's, like, romantically into her. It's yeah. like, oh, she doesn't give a shit, and that's appealing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's the well, vibe that I got. But it's I... another great theme, because he's a forgery, so it's not the real thing. Yeah. He's after the real thing. Yeah. Uh I mean, I saw that there, and I'm like, oh, another layer to this multiple dip, yeah. <laughs> layer dip, dip of a movie. Um, unbeknownst to them, as Fujiwara and uh, the uncle are talking, Hideko is listening in. Fujiwara develops a plan to seduce Hideko through the guise of painting classes. I didn't really know why, maybe the uncle is using this as like a front. Like, you can seduce my my niece so it looks like I'm not skeevy towards my niece, maybe? Yeah, I would assume, it, because he says... Because like, he agrees to, like, let him see her. Yeah, and there, there's, like, a few other lines in there. Oh, well, I think he uh, also, Fujiwara gets him with, like, oh, you know, in England, the courtly ladies, oh, okay. you know, they are good with diction, but they also know how to paint. Mm-hmm. And if your daughter can't paint, then she's not truly yeah. westernized. Yeah. So it's like... like she's I not think perfect. She could be better. Yeah, so, you know... Because mm-hmm. he can act, he can actually paint. So yeah. I'm assuming that it's like uh, you know, the cover that you mentioned with the added bonus that he can make her like his his niece more, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. westernized. Yeah. I guess. Um, as the pair are having dinner one night, the uncle is called away by a staged phone call, and Fujiwara brings up the idea that 
Uh, he and Hideko will elope and split the inheritance. All they will need is to get rid of Hideko's old ma- handmaiden, which uh, Fujiwara takes care of in a second, and they'll send a new one along the way, and they will place this new handmaiden in a madhouse as uh, Hideko poses as her. Yes. So we're at the front of our movie again. Uh, we see another flashback where Hideko pieces together that her aunt did not commit suicide, and she has shown something so horrible in the basement by Koizuki, her uncle, that it frightens her to never, ever try and escape, and all we get is some squelching noises. Yeah. So... <laughs> well, yeah, like sw- like squelching noises, this glow, so you mm. think, is there, like, hot oil down there? Yeah. Is there, like, is it, you know, does he, tor- like, boil or torture mm. people? You know, we don't know, but we, you know, we only see her reaction in the sound, yeah. so. Um, so apparently her aunt was tortured to it, or at least also knew about this basement before she died. Uh, Fujiwara presents a vial of opium that will either create a convincing sleep with three drops or allow Hideko to kill herself within five minutes if she takes the whole thing, if ever caught. This will be his wedding present to her and give her a way that she'll never be taken to that basement again. Uh, Fujiwara also has some mercury-laced cigarettes just in case of emergencies that are lined in blue because we do see that he is an artist and he kind of has a thing for some dramatic where he paints like nude women on the inside of his cigarettes line yeah i mean it's stylistic but these people are weird (laughs) these two men yeah yeah um suki is sent into the house and the game begins but this time it's like the clue ending where it's like that's where you thought this this is how you thought things were happening but now a different perspective so like we see hideko is posed on the other side of like her screen door and like knows that suki is watching her the game of cat and mouse has shifted now Mm -hmm. so uh uh, Hideko tests Suki's literacy by writing out uh, Countess Fujiwara, which would have given up the whole ruse because she knows about the count already. Uh, but uh, Suki can't read. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't really, like, you know, um, reveal the ruse. Uh, chastises her other maids for mistreating Suki and clearly develops feelings for her. So she's not as innocent as she initially appears. She likes her from the start. Mm-hmm. Or at least she wants to protect her. Uh, Fujiwara also advises Hideko to keep Suki busy so she will suspect nothing. Uh, we get playback of Suki showing her thieving skills by identifying fake jewelry from sapphires to spinels. And then at this point, uh, the readings are continuing and we get the story of the four bell balls that are placed within the woman for utter ecstasy. Yes. And it's like a man's version of a lesbian relationship, sexual relationship. Yeah. So it's like not... It, the women are getting not pleasure for them, but pleasure for the men's entertainment. Yeah. Is how every one of these novels is built that they're reading together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're they're reading, objects. Yeah. yeah. More objects for them to use. Uh, the pair fall in love and we see the same sex scene only now far more passionate and development uh, and developed than before. Um, it's getting like amped up to a 15. Suki is stunned by Hideko's prowess and goes, you must be a natural. But literally does Suki know that, this is all she's been exposed to her entire life. Yeah. So she is a natural after having trained after many years. Um, after having second thoughts on the way she has treated Suki after that um, slap off, like you, uh, you will fall in love with the count and you shouldn't consider me, but clearly she has feelings. Hideko gets the coil of rope, runs out to the cherry blossom tree and prepares to kill herself. But she is stopped at the last second by Suki who catches her. Uh, Hideko reveals the ruse and after uh, Suki almost drops Hideko and like she's strangling in like a brief comedic moment, goes like, oh my God, miss that bastard. I didn't know. This is one of those scenes in this movie that's going to stay with me. Mm-hmm. 
like this little confession between the two yeah. of them like she calls her suki not by her you know government yeah. <laughs> maid name it's it's one of the the, the more like in its own bizarre way, mm-hmm. like, most powerful scenes. It's theatrical. Me. It's yeah. like, oh, this is the part of the farce where, like, oh, these characters team up now. And then yeah. it shifts again for the third act. I love it. There's so many twists. Well, and, and through that balance is that usually in more farcical situations, like, the the whole thing keeps spiraling out of control because mm-hmm. simple little communication doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And this is where that communication finally happens. Mm-hmm. And it's set right. So, yeah. Yep. So the pair agree to comedically work together and dupe both Fujiwara and Koizuki. Uh, the pair apologize, and Suki sends a letter to her thief family, notifying the plan has changed and she will need their help. She sends along a golden bracelet as a down payment for their services. So, not only is there this close family bond, even though they're not technically family members, they were all orphaned and adopted, whatever, but she's also giving them payment, which Fujiwara wasn't going to do at all. Yeah. So, it's like. She's got the love and she's got the the methods to back it up too. So I, I did like that communication between her and her thief family. Even though they don't get a lot of screen time, it's an important relationship for her. Um, the family is absolutely on Suki's side before running away. Uh, uh, Hideko says the line like, do you want to see something beautiful? Is it beautiful or interesting or cool or something? Like there's that same thing that, um, who took her there first? The uncle said like, do you want to see something beautiful? To the basement in the first time. I forget what the exact line is, but... Yeah, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. but she says that, and then Suki can't read, but she's scrolling through these, you know, treasures in this library and sees a lot of sexual material, and then she flips to a page where an octopus is, you know, having its way with a woman figure, and goes, this is what this person forged, so Fujiwara forged this photo, and then she goes, this is what your creepy uncle makes you read? Yeah. And without words, you know, they dismantle the tools of the oppressor, Dan! Well, I think one of the things that sets her is that uh, the woman in the drawing has the, the spinel mm-hmm. earrings on. Mm-hmm. So I think Suki and her own pieces together, yeah. like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this is what your uncle's been up to here. Yeah. So. And Suki in, like, this act of, you know, rage is tearing apart these books, cutting them up, throwing ink on them, dousing them in water, and... Hideko is just standing by because she can't do this. She's been conditioned not to, you know, this is like death to her. Like she would be killed if her uncle ever found out. She's And she's like watching and yeah. raptured. Yeah. And like then the, eventually, to, you know. To Hideko's actresses, like, like yeah. th- it is conveyed. Yeah. Like the, the, just her facial expression is mm-hmm. just like, she, she is just scared. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, scared and, mm-hmm thrilled and in like it is mm-hmm. and then eventually yeah. she joins in she starts throwing paints and like the orchestra is swelling it's like oh my god the lesbians are at it like yeah. and then in the final acts like as hideko is going like this thief has now become my suduki uh suki sorry not suduko suki mm-hmm. uh suki di- uh, beheads the snake serpent so it's like she cuts the phallic image out of it the knowledge is free for everyone now Mm-hmm. right like yeah. symbolism dan yeah uh the two run off together in a beautiful shot uh suki is unable to cross the borders of the estate so hideko jumps back over this little wall and stacks up their suitcases so she can make a staircase for them and then the next scene is just beautiful frolicking in the fields like as the sun rises it just it's so cute dan yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then we see that Suki is taken to the asylum, but this time Hideko seems more knowing and states to Fujiwara that she is hungry now. So she turns on a dime, she channels her emotions once more, she puts on the fake tears, and then, you know, yeah, she shows her emotion when Fujiwara expects his emotion. And then, uh, part three, the final part, Fujiwara explains that in a few days he will hire some people to kill Suki to finalize their plan. Of course, Hideko is like, you weren't just gonna leave her there. So you lied to me in that regard, too. Mm-hmm. So he's not the man that he pretends to be there. Well, this whole thing, because when they have this exchange, they're at this fancy restaurant, mm-hmm. and Fujiwara, you know, like, Hideko's trying, like, like, what exactly do you want? And yeah. he's like, well, it's not that I want money. I want the appearance of being able to go to a restaurant mm-hmm. and order expensive wine. Without and you know, the menu. Yeah. Or the price. So, because he tells a story where he... He spent, like, a month's earnings to get, like, a fancy just to, like, feel mm-hmm. like that for a night. Yeah. So he he wants that image no matter what. Yeah, so that's how him and uh, Fuji, uh, uh, Uncle are the same. Yeah. They both want what they can have. They want, they're all about their image. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, and at that moment, Suki is freed by a purposely started fire. Her thief family arrives, disguises her, and smuggles her out. She does pick her lock with her hairpin that's gifted from the family. And they escape by dressing in old-fashioned fire suits and running into the fire while mm-hmm. dousing each other with water. So it's like a cute bumbling, we're here to save the day, too. Yeah. Which I enjoy. Uh, that evening, Hideko is trying to knock out Fujiwara with wine. He's in the next room taking a Scrooge McDuff bath and money on his bedspread. And uh, he wants to consummate the marriage again. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hideko doesn't want this. She spikes the drink with opium. He refuses to drink and tries to rape her, but eventually Hideko succeeds through sharing wine through kisses, and Fujiwara passes out. So she manages to avoid that scenario altogether, but it's close, and it's like, oh, what's gonna happen here, right? Is something yeah. This is like the first part where it's like, oh, something's going wrong. Yeah. Because he's not drinking the wine in any way. And would that work? Sharing mouth-to-mouth opium-laced wine? Let's try it out, Dan. <laughs> well, that's why I was like... Is she going to... Accidentally. Like, or, or cause herself some kind of health mm-hmm. thing in, like, in making sure that she takes him down? Yeah. Which is why I got scared. But... Yeah. What... Was the work that this was... Because I know that the kiss of death thing comes from something. I don't think I don't... it's from that. I think this is either earlier or, like, later. I don't think it's... The... I think it's been around longer than this novel, I should say. Yeah, because I know that this there is... based is... on the wordsmith. I think it's a Swedish novel. Yeah, like, passing poison into someone's... Yeah. Like, I yeah. know that it's... It's a thing. Yeah, so... Yeah. We'll look up the origins of that on TV tropes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have the information for us. Uh, but uh, Fujiwara passes out. Hideko writes a letter to her uncle stating that it was Fujiwara who destroyed his library. And like, I wanted to reveal his backstory in this for you. He's the one that you should get. Um, I'm with Suki. Whatever, I'll be on my way soon. And this like bides them enough time. Because the next day, Suki and Hideko joyfully reunite. And like, I love the way this is shot because they're like in the background of the scene. Not the foreground. So like business is going on as usual. And then we just see them like embrace and hug. Yeah. So, it's adorable. Um, uh, The butt-naked Fujiwara is captured by Kozuki's henchmen and taken back for sinister torture in the basement. Uh, Kozuki denies Fujiwara any mercury cigarettes in his basement prison with torture tools. 
uh, a finger cutting uh, paper cutter and an octopus resting sinisterly in a tank. So yeah, a, a huge octopus. Yeah. And yeah. he's also got all these uh, sexual organs preserved in jars. Yeah. So clearly have some fun with the octopus, cuts some organs off and then preserves them for later use. Yeah. So he's not the the best of people. <laughs> no. He's a villain. Well, he, when it plays in, I would assume, to his villainous collector thing. Mm-hmm. Because he probably couldn't get a lady, and mm. then he, so he preserves what he sees as, like, the beautiful thing yeah. in his fucking basement mm-hmm. with this octopus, and it's like, again, smarter people could dissect this better than, than mm-hmm. you know. Well, he's I, also, like, disheveled. In this basement, he's, like, himself. Yeah. Because he's in, like, a kimono and everything. Yeah. Um, his, his hair, hair is, is down, yeah. frazzled. <laughs> his glasses, he looks different, like... He, like, looks not like the person he's tried to yeah. appear as throughout the entire movie. Um, uh, meanwhile, he removes five fingers from Fujiwara, representing five of his favorite books that were destroyed. And he says that uh, he will stop Suki and Hideko from enacting their plan. Suki and Hideko take their plan a step further, booking passage on a ship to Singapore and dressing Suki up as a man. Uh, Koizuki is expecting to stop the girls, but did not plan for this. He's saying he sent some men out and we see them interrogating people, but it's only two women traveling in pairs trying to leave uh, the country. Um, But the girls managed to sneak out of the country uh, Koizuki is intrigued by Fujiwara's tales of the consummation of the marriage, and through flashback, we see that Hideko slashed her own self rather than screw uh, Fujiwara, meaning that she never had sex with him on the wedding night mm-hmm. in the first place. So she has still maintained herself for Suki. I do, like, Fujiwara, he gets a little bit of, like, a good guy character thing going here because he doesn't force her in that moment, and he's kind of there for the nature of the story because as he's reminiscing he's just sitting like looking at the moon and i thought i heard like a nightingale sing yeah. so i think he recognizes that he she was never into him in any way shape or form and he was pursuing something in like the last moments there yeah like does that make sense to you yeah okay. well i mean even even in the exchange they have um later in the movie uh um Heideko, like I guess tries to, like, seduce him for the poison Mm -hmm. thing by repeating the line from one of the porn novels. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you had ten minutes to have, you know, a wish, like, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And and I I don't... It's... it's, Fujiwara is difficult. I I would assume that that's, like, a repeat viewing thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I would assume that there's a moment where he cracks. Yeah. Like, you know... He, he keeps up, like, this, uh, oh, you don't get attached to your mark, you don't mm-hmm. do this, it's just a business, you can't mm-hmm. have, you know, you can't be naive and work in this business, and then maybe that's, you know, that veneer fucking breaks down yeah. at the, you know, yeah, before I, well, he's captured. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, that could happen I, I too, but, like, in these final moments, like, he's given a final dignity, or at least he calls it, because yeah. uh, the, I keep wanting to call him the Count, the uncle is, like, in the room, like, he's offered the mercury cigarettes, they're smoking, there's no windows down there, so obviously, like, this this gaseous mercury is pervading the room, and he's about to, like, slice off his penis. Yeah. As, like, an added to the collection, but, like, in the last moments, the uncle dies beforehand, and then he gets, like, 
the goodness of being dying dying more intact than he thought he was gonna die yeah and i know i phrased that super awkwardly but i want to make it comfortable for the listeners right Mm -hmm. um but he's granted that and he recalls like rowing the two on their escape adventure and then seeing that those two were totally into each other and then like going maybe i did something good like that's where i thought his final reward was you know maybe i wasn't that bad of a person i got these two together yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. That does. I could see that. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, but on the steamship, Suki and Hideko make passionate love when the bells mention one of Hideko's readings, and they've once again used the tools of the oppressors for their benefit. Man, yeah. And it, it, it you know, they have another or the start of another lovemaking mm-hmm. scene, mm-hmm. and it fades out to the the moon yep. over this over this ocean. Yep. So beautiful movie. Yeah, yeah. It is. Final thoughts. It is an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. It is heavy. Yep. You it's know, long. heavy, you know, not not to the, you know, not in the like sense... Like an iron bead. <laughs> not to the sense that it'll leave you sad or mm-hmm. anything, but you're going to go on a trip. Like, you're going to wonder if these if these two people are going to be okay. Yeah. And it pays that all off splendidly, I mm. think. Yeah. Mm. Um, I agree. I think that everyone should check this out on Amazon Prime for free just mm-hmm. i i mean i don't think it's for free but it's on amazon prime it's the only place you can find it um definitely settle down for a watch and experience don't give up like maybe you can even ta- i want to know maybe you could take this in parts like three different sittings in theory yeah, yeah i, I think know, so yeah you could do that um similar movies to check out i would recommend uh blue is the warmest color but uh i hear that the director did some things to the woman in those scenes to like get more realistic portrayals of a lesbian relationship that was very uncomfortable for the actresses. So maybe put that one on the side. And I did hear that. I mean, I've seen it too, but uh, portrait of a lady on fire, French lesbian mm-hmm. movie that's taken the world by storm. Mm-hmm. Those are like the two biggest recommends I know, because I don't think there's unfortunately a lot in mainstream media. You have to look and search it out and you have to hope for quality, but this is up there in the ranks. Well, and again, mainstream and to the extent that it has a happy ending yeah like I, again i am not i am not the cinematique one of mm-hmm. of the two of us so i i'm not going to pretend to have like uh, uh an expansive knowledge mm-hmm. of a lot of movies but you like i have never gotten to see one of these like epic love stories play <laughs> out where mm-hmm. two gay partners live. end up happy yeah or live like, yeah. at the end of their story now let alone be the focus yeah. but certainly not happy i mean call me by your uh, name luca guadagnino's first that's not even a happy ending because they kind of go their separate ways yeah but so it, it is it is something in that regard so yeah, yeah. check out suspiria too <laughs> another yeah. long movie boost the sales yeah. please <laughs> please amazon yeah. i mean there's a lot to check out but i'm glad you have watched this with me i've experienced culture with you yeah i've introduced dan to culture once again uh, no it, it, I, it is it is a phenomenal movie mm-hmm. anything to nitpick about though we're fine with that like I said, I think it could be shorter. There's certain things that could flow a bit better in the first act. I think the third act is good. It travels like briskly and the second act is um, great at filling in those gaps. But I think the first act, if anything was to be fixed, just speed that up a bit. I, if I was pressed for a nitpick, mm. it's that I lose some spatial sense in the third act. Mm. Like, I don't know if they 
like how far away they've escaped mm-hmm. from like the uncle's estate. Yeah. Because uh, they escape and they're in a city, and I can't tell if they've if they've like you know crossed the ocean or if they if mm-hmm. they're just like hiding out. And I know that you know if if, if enough attention is paid, it's all you know nothing. But if I had to choose a nitpick, mm-hmm. the sets. The set pieces all fucking stand out and mm-hmm. stay with you. Mm-hmm. I just lose like some sense of how quickly things are like where mm-hmm. this is happening. What we need end, is the but... Indiana Jones map. <laughs> well, I, I I don't, and that could be a stupid nitpick. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, it was uh, they were on like a Japanese island though because they were talking about like being in not Kobe. Oh man, it's gonna make me Okinawa. One of them. Maybe that was the last movie. Shinohara. Shino- it was uh, one of them. Sorry, my my condolences, my my pardons. Um, but I think they were on an island, so it was just assumed that they were still on that island. Yeah, because uh, then Fujiwara gets, you know, taken right back to the estate, because mm-hmm. the, like, the, uh, the uncle's henchmen are still there, and, uh, yeah, and I I, th- I would assume that they're, like, Japanese, because they're yeah. dressed, like, they got, yeah, like, well, the No, the he swords. would hire Japanese hitmen, yeah, so because that makes... that's his thing. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, no, I, yeah. I wouldn't have any other nitpicks. And so. I mean, this is definitely setting itself up for a rewatch. I think that's my theme for Anna Masterpiece Theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you movies to rewatch over and over again. Yeah. Because you will notice little things and you'll go, oh, someone was really thinking out this storyline here. Yeah. And I enjoy that more than anything in a movie. All right. Well, I've said my two bits. <laughs> uh, should we end this one? Wrap it up neatly in a bow? Yeah, let's give our, our our info first. Yeah. Um you can uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at King underscore Danis on uh, on Instagram and our Jason Anime Was Not a Mistake podcast account. Mm. And of course on Facebook as well. Yeah, and you can follow me, Jonathan Wykowski, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram, Drink and Read JK on the Twitter, or my other podcast, one being Nightcaps at the Theater. And the other, if uh, Nightcaps at the Theater deals with movies, we have a few drinks, kind of similar to this, where I introduce culture to a two other hosts on that pod. Um, and uh, my other podcast, Drink and Read, if War and Peace is your thing, tune in. I reread it. Not the Sky High character. No. <laughs> no. No. But um, it's Dan Picks next time and the week after, and I am intrigued. The ball's in your court, Dan. <laughs> My picks for Anna Masterpiece mm-hmm. have been in flux. Okay. Even from when we started today's viewing, uh, the second of the two remains in flux. Mm-hmm. I myself am mm-hmm. not positive what that second movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is why um, we, uh, you know did two of yours in a row and i think it works out either because no, yours yours complement each yeah. other well um so you know i wanted to make sure not being the you know again not having the most extensive knowledge of cinema mm-hmm. i wanted to make sure that i brought things to the table that would actually prompt discussion mm-hmm. and could also elicit the same kind of passion from me that these movies get from you mm-hmm. seemingly i mm-hmm. I want to be able to tackle them with the same energy um so you know by the time i i join you know we rejoin mm-hmm. next week the second pick will be solidified as well mm-hmm. um but uh for my first anime masterpiece pick mm-hmm. uh we are going to be looking at a kung fu classic <gasps> uh courtesy of the shaw brothers mm-hmm. um and it is going to be a story that reminds us that on the path to revenge, it's best to not skip any steps. 
So we hope you'll join us as we watch the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Wow. See you then. Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weeb horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast, or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. Mucho, mucho, mucho. Tanto como en tan ser. Siempre hasta morir.